Gresham College presents What is the Value of Finance and Insurance to the Economy? by John Nelson. Lloyd's, of course, is not an insurance company. We are the world's only insurance market. We're the global hub for specialist insurance and reinsurance. And I underline the word specialist. We insure risks from all over the world that are too complex or unusual for other insurers to take on. We insure commercial risks such as reputational damage, uh, cyber insurance, property damage. So to be clear, we're not life insurers. Geographically, over 40% of our business comes from the United States, which is our largest market. We are actually, uh, which we're very proud of in terms of we're the only UK business that has a number one position uh, in an industry sector in the United States. We are the number one specialist insurer uh, in the US. The rest of our business is global. We do business in all key markets operating in over 200 countries. And our position in the emerging economies of Latin America, the Middle East, Southeast Asia and China are growing and are a key part of our long-term strategy. We have a long history of innovation. Of course, most famously, we provided the first insurance for the marine industry, uh, for cars, for planes, for satellites, and today we cover everything from earthquakes and tsunamis to new and emerging risks such as cyber attack, terrorism, and a whole range of special lines, perhaps some of the most recent, like drones. Our market comprises 80 syndicates, each one of which effectively is a separate insurance company. We're we're a fully brokered market. Brokers approach syndicates with business, large risks from all around the world that clients wish to mitigate and protect. The magnitude of these risks is often so large that one single insurer is unable to accept that size of risk on their own. So the syndicates join together to share risks, the so-called subscription model. By spreading the risk, the underwriters reduce their exposure to a single large payout should a claim be made, and brokers ensure that they're getting the best possible outcomes for their clients. Should syndicates not be able to pay for any reason, they are backed by the Lloyd Central Fund, a fund of last resort, effectively a mutual fund, which is there to cover any unpaid claims. And while we operate in more than 200 territories worldwide, much of the business that we do in Lloyd's is still conducted, in fact, face-to-face. The underwriting room upstairs in here is central to the smooth running of our market, and it gives brokers access to decision-makers, which enables fast and responsive solutions. In recent years, we've also established important underwriting centres in China, both in Beijing and Shanghai, in Dubai and in Singapore, and we have a network of offices around the world. So it's a unique model that's prospered for more than 300 years. I think I'm right, Trevor, 328 this year. Yes, it is. So we are one part of the wider London insurance market, a sector that makes an important contribution to the UK's GDP and a key driver of economic growth in this country. So to answer the first part of the question, what is the value of finance and insurance to the UK economy? Well, here are the numbers for insurance. The London market controls about $80 billion of annual premiums. 
we employ 48,000 people, and we generate over 20% of the City of London's GDP. That's more than 8% of London's GDP. So that's the direct impact. But indirectly, insurance and reinsurance, of course, protects economies, communities, and businesses from threats, particularly as business models change and new economies emerge. And when catastrophe strikes, insurers provide capital in the forms of claims payment to help businesses, governments and communities to get back on their feet much more quickly and efficiently than if they had to rely on public money. With the fast growth of many of the emerging growth economies, coupled with the increasing urbanisation, more and more specialist risk has been created. The level of underinsurance in many of these economies is extremely high, leading to much greater economic vulnerability. We see this in countries like China, India, and many of those in Latin America. Governments, I'm pleased to say, are all too well aware of this, and in many cases, encouraged by Lloyds, are seeking to address the insurance penetration question. Our own Lloyds research shows that a 1% rise in insurance penetration, that's gross written premium to GDP, translates into a 13% reduction in uninsured losses, a 22% reduction in the taxpayer's contribution following a major disaster, and increased investment equivalent to 2% of national GDP. An offshore reinsurance plays a substantial role in diversifying risk out of country. Obvious examples of this are in the United States, where 60% of catastrophe risk, and the United States, as you know, is extremely prone to catastrophe, is reinsured offshore. And the most recent, for example, major earthquakes in New Zealand and Chile were mainly reinsured offshore. So their recovery has been very quick. If you look at the natural catastrophes in Haiti, Pakistan, India, for example, for all practical purposes, there is little insurance or reinsurance bought. The impact, of course, is a much slower economic recovery in these countries, and in some cases, regrettably, no recovery whatsoever. So insurance and reinsurance plays a key role, not just in the UK economy, but in the wider global economy. So, coming back to the overall insurance market today, we are being buffeted, of course, by the cold macroeconomic and geopolitical winds that we've all experienced ourselves. The London insurance market is under pressure probably as never before, and there are a number of sources of this pressure. The most recent, of course, is the UK's decision to leave the EU, the aftermath of which is clearly unnerving investors and adding uncertainty to an already challenged market. Until we formally exit Europe and the terms for doing so have been agreed, it's going to be still business as usual here and in the London insurance market, but we still have to see the details of the deal that's going to be struck before we can really assess all of the implications. The consequences for the City of London could be very substantial. Probably the consequences for Lloyd's will be less so, 
only around 4% of our revenues will be directly affected by Brexit. But there could be collateral damage to us because of the damage to London's reputation as a financial and as an insurance centre. Another pressure is the continuing long-term fallout from the 2008 banking crisis, which Anne referred to. Low interest rates are substantially reducing investment returns on insurance capital and have been doing so for a long time and are driving investors seeking new types of return into the insurance market. This additional capital is lowering premium rates and putting insurers' profitability under severe pressure. The broader economic picture is changing too. We are seeing a shift in wealth from west to east. One impact of this is that companies are increasingly setting up their headquarters in new and emerging markets. And this changes the type of risks they're encountering and changes where insurance customers are based and where we need to be. The nature of risk is also changing. The Lloyd's City Risk Index, which we published just last year, quantified for the first time the impact on the GDP of the 300 largest cities in the world from 18 threats. It found that $4.6 trillion of GDP is at risk over the next decade from these threats. And while natural threats like earthquakes and floods still pose the largest risk to that GDP, an increasing amount, now 2.1 billion of that 4.6, sorry, 2.1 trillion of that 4.6 trillion, is associated with man-made threats like cyber attack, market crash, and oil price shock, all of which we're seeing vividly today. Another pressure is the increasing competition within the insurance sector. The additional capital I mentioned earlier is driving the creation of new insurance products such as insurance-linked securities, such as (coughs) catastrophe bonds, which allow companies to obtain reinsurance protection from a new pool of capital separate from traditional reinsurers. This, in fact, is a good and constructive development, but it's just more competition. Technology, of course, is disrupting traditional insurance business models as well allowing new tech-savvy companies to sell directly to customers using big data to fine-tune products to customers' needs. So the extent to which the London insurance market is under pressure from these forces was spelled out in the 2014 Boston Consulting Group report called London Matters, and it concluded that London does not have a strong position in emerging markets. It's losing its share in reinsurance. Customers have a preference of buying insurance in their local market, putting 30 to 40% of London premiums at risk of being written elsewhere, i.e. in the local markets. And we have expense ratios higher than our peers. Our Lloyds introduced, we introduced our long-term strategy, Vision 2025, before this, five years ago precisely to address these issues. I'm very pleased to say that the execution of this strategy is progressing well. And the other challenge the report highlighted, and the one most relevant for today's discussion, is the high regulatory burden that could further render London less competitive. 
So to the second half of the debate question, are the right regulatory frameworks in place to protect this value? Brexit, for all its downsides, could be a good opportunity to thoroughly review domestic regulation as this applies not only in the city of London and the insurance market, but of course also to other sectors that drive the engine of UK PLC, such as in the technology, science and R&D spaces. In my view, it's now the moment to take stock of the current regulatory regime we have and ask what needs to be done to make the UK an even more attractive place to do business as we move away from the agreements we have with Europe. There are two key elements, I think, that must be fulfilled if business is to thrive. And in our sector, and in which regulation will play such an important role. And the first is access to a wide talent pool. We have in, London, in the London market a cluster of extraordinary expertise producing a remarkable set of businesses built around Lloyd's and other London market operators and brokers. And to sustain this, we must have access to the best talent in Europe and indeed the rest of the world. Although a politically difficult issue at the moment, we have to get across that relatively free movement of people is fundamental to industry, not least the insurance industry. Our workforce needs to reflect the cultures of the markets we operate in with the new and emerging markets, as I was saying, becoming increasingly important. We'll have to wait and see to what extent the principle of free movement within the EU is retained or discarded in the upcoming negotiations, but we will be pushing the government hard to retain our current access. If we don't secure that access, we will need to think hard about the alternatives that may be open to us. The second requirement is to minimise the unnecessary bureaucracy, this extraordinary excessive red tape that is stifling our business growth. One advantage of being in the EU course, is the passporting rights that businesses enjoy, which allow them to trade in all European countries through a single licence. This is extremely efficient, but a right we may have to lose post-Brexit. The alternatives are likely to be more costly, time-consuming and bureaucratic, which is why, again, we will be lobbying hard with other industries to retain passporting but in the meantime, the government needs, in my view, to look for self-help and look at the domestic reg regulatory setup too and to reduce the excessive red tape as far as it can. The implementation of a regulatory regime that strikes the right balance between prudential oversight and creating a competitive market that allows innovation and creativity to flourish is absolutely vital. Much has been written regarding the regulatory burden imposed on the City of London and insurance in particular by Europe. But let's not forget the UK regulators can and do impose their own burdens and some of those burdens are greater than those that we've had from the EU. For the insurance industry, Solvency 2 is a recent example of this. While we support Solvency 2 <coughs> as an excellent capital setting mechanism we fully endorse the principles behind it. The way in which it's been implemented in terms of the process and the complexity is widely seen within the, in the industry 
as imposing an absolutely extraordinary and unnecessary burden. So overall, it's important the UK and London in particular retains, does retain, strong prudential regulation. And we want that to remain. And it is a major attraction in terms of inward direct investment. But if we continue to have excessive bureaucracy and complexity, it will stifle business and deter business coming to London. And with Brexit, it's frankly even more important we address this question energetically to make sure that we retain as much of the global business that we have here in London. And this work needs to apply not just insurance to insurance, but right across financial regulation. I do believe that the UK government, and I might say rhetorically if it exists at the moment, uh, is, is seized of this. It's done a great deal of work over the past few years, for example, in improving our corporation tax regime. And I did note George Osborne's pledge just this week to look at cutting corporation tax again. There's another emerging reality I want to refer to, which is an increasing trend towards protectionism, sometimes as a result of local regulatory regimes. We at Lloyd see this trend firsthand, week in, week out, as we seek new licenses and, to, and defend existing ones in markets around the world. Our mission in the insurance industry is to promote the idea of more global standardisation uh, in terms of regulation, in part to encourage the liberalisation of insurance. And as I hope I've demonstrated earlier, liberalised insurance markets improve the sustainability and the growth of national economies. One thing we've seen signs of is a worrying trend to try to translate or copy and paste banking regulation across to insurance, perhaps a consequence of the global financial crisis. In fact, the insurance sector came through that crisis extremely robustly. So the challenge for government will be to set up regulators to strike the right balance between ensuring a robust, efficient industry while creating an environment in which innovative business development can flourish. And this is as true for UK regulators as it is in Europe and other markets around the world. As an aside, I would say that one of the most successful emerging financial services hubs is Singapore. Singapore is the largest underwriting hub we have outside London. The way in which the Monetary Authority of Singapore combines robust regulation with promotion of financial services in Singapore is a model that is much admired and has worked extremely well, and we as a country would do well to examine that. So, we currently face a very challenging competitive environment, but if we can achieve these two objectives on talent and regulation, then I'm optimistic that the UK general specialist insurance industry will continue to flourish and play its crucial role in the domestic European and international economies. So, in conclusion, I suppose the question we should try to answer is what steps can we take in the UK, despite Brexit, to liberalise further our financial services and insurance markets while maintaining effective prudential supervision?
Thank you very much. For more information, please go to the Gresham College website, www.gresham.ac.uk.